Hello and welcome to the The CMD Podcast. I am your host, Sam Dusenberry Jr. Follow me on Twitter at The Sam D. That's T H E E S A M D. Podcast is also available up on Twitter at The Sam D Podcast. For all content, audio, and visual, check out TheSamD.com. Podcast is available on all major podcasting platforms. Subscribe and rate five stars, nonetheless, tell a friend. Musical production done by May 1st Music. Support him at soundcloud.com slash May 1st Music. Well, Urban Meyer did say it will be a one-year rebuild. <laughs> Do we give him credit for what? Lasted nine months? Nine months. He birthed a despicable professional coaching resume within nine months. So it didn't take him a year. It took him nine months for the rebuild down in Duval. And that's where we have to begin because I was witness to history. I can tell my grandchildren in the future, I was there. I was in the building. I was in the stadium. I was on the sidelines for Urban Meyer's last NFL game. I was there. I witnessed history. If I had a ticket stub, I would save it. I have a credential instead, so I will laminate that and make sure I put that in the safe at the keepsakes. Urban has a history of getting himself out of sticky situations, right? He's left multiple college jobs because he wanted to spend more time with his family. He was burnt out. His worst season in college was eight and five, I believe. And he had to leave because the pressure, the losing was too much. That was just five games. So imagine how he felt week after week after I played the clip a few pods ago of, who was it, Vic Fangio, Vic Fangio, saying how he had a conversation where Urban Urban was comparing every NFL team is like playing Alabama every week. <laughs> so Urban's out here feeling like he's going up against Saban and Saban-level talent every week in the NFL, and he's had enough. And he had enough to the point where he was trying to get himself fired. I firmly believe Urban Meyer was trying to get himself fired, and he finally succeeded. It took him longer than most of us thought once we saw the writing on the wall. Once he went to his own bar and dubbed the chick and was trying to get the finger in the booty hole while getting the dub. Once that didn't do it, he had to step it up a notch. So he started berating assistant coaches, training staff, and players week after week after week. And he finally reached the promised land. And it took Josh Lambeau, of all people. Josh Lambeau was the straw that broke the camel's back down in Duval. Out of all the things that Urban was accused or, you know, criticized for doing, it took the physical attack of a kicker, kicking a kicker, to get him up out the paint. Can you imagine, from the hiring of Chris Doyle, to bringing in Tim Tebow to be a locker room leader slash tight end. To the numerous OTA fines. 
for the Oklahoma drill. Remember that? Then for the NFLPA to come in and have to investigate Mans while on the job to a fake QB battle after drafting Trevor Lawrence to that infamous night at his own bar with the picture of his wife behind him while he's trying to get a dub at the bar to berating coaches, staff, faculty. There was endless leaks throughout the organization. Every week there seemed to be a new report of some nonsense going on down in Jacksonville. Allegedly, there were times where he did not know his own lineup, where he could not give you the roster. He could not give you the depth chart. That's a thing that happened, allegedly. And now the coup de grace, kicking a kicker. Josh Lambeau. Josh Lambeau destroyed the Urban Meyer dynasty that was on the verge of beginning in the NFL. The one-year rebuild that Herb came out here and said, this is a quick fix. And you always have to be wary of people that come out there and say, this is going to be a quick fix. Whenever someone is on that type of time, saying something is a quick fix, it's not that big of a deal to get this thing turned around. It is instant vibes for me. Instantaneous, without a doubt. Straight up. Because that's what it is. And Urban came out here talking about one-year rebuild, and that said to me, "Uh uh-oh. And nine months later, and not even nine months later, here we are. Now, did he get his bread? No. No. But he signed for 60 M's. Some people jumped out the window and said maybe he got 50 of them M's. But dog, he physically assaulted a player. (laughs) He's not getting that bag. So unlike John Gruden, who may have gotten part of that 100 mil or a good chunk of that 100 mil on the way out, Herb might have walked out of there with nothing or significantly less than the round 50 mil he was owed. So does he pull the John Gruden card and try to sue and get some of that bag? Does he have the balls to really put himself out there again to be ridiculed, again to be criticized, again to be mocked? Urban Meyer, a disastrous tenure. And I can tell you, on the sidelines of Tennessee last week, there was some talk. There was definitely some talk about Herb and how things were going and how things were looking. And, and it was not a secret that it wasn't looking good. And not even looking good from the sense of he's not coming back next year. It's like, I don't know if he's going to last a year. And it turned out he didn't. It took a 20 to nothing defeat, you know, on the road where the offense looked about as pedestrian as a peewee league. It took that to get Irv finally. Well, not even that. It really didn't take that. I really think this whole Josh Lambeau shit was like the last thing. Because you had the thing earlier in the year with the OTAs and the NFLPA talking about you can't have plays doing Oklahoma drills, bro. It's too physically demanding. It was negotiated out of the CBA during the last contract negotiations. You cannot do that. And Mans came out here thinking he was running two-a-days. He thought he was running two-a-days like he was back at Bowling Green which he also criticizes his assistant coaches, saying he had a better assistant coaching staff, more credible coaches that were better at their job at Bowling Green than with the Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> but he hired these dudes, right? But now he's killing them saying, I had a better staff at Bowling Green. He was trying to get himself fired. This part came out later, but you know, I heard some rumblings about it on the sideline was that some of the coaches were already planning other jobs. Like they had other gigs lined up. Like it was going to be a mutiny in Jacksonville if for whatever reason 
the Khan family was going to keep Urban Meyer past this year. If he was not going to be let go, it was about to be a mass exodus down in Duval if Herb wasn't about the paint. So if you have coaches, a whole entire coaching staff who was brought in by this man that is literally saying, fuck you, bro, we out. As an organization, what do you do? As a front office, what do you do? You have to get rid of them. Then you have reports seemingly weekly, if not on a daily basis, about turmoil, dysfunction, chaos within the organization, within the locker room, within the training facility, without the entire building down there in Duval. It's been madness. The leaks have been nonstop. Funny thing is, what if the Jacks start playing better? <laughs> what if Trevor Lawrence actually gets some time? What if they actually give the rock to James Robinson? What if Chenault becomes a weapon again? What if Marvin Jones Jr. earns the bag that he was given? What if all of that happens? How bad does this, does this look on Urban Meyer's resume if the Jags over the next couple of games had to close out a disastrous season? A season Trevor Lawrence wants to just wipe away or press reset or press delete. What does his legacy look like if they actually look competent over the next couple of weeks? Now, as far as Jacksonville goes in terms of a coach, there's rumors of Adam Gase. Is that what we're doing? Adam Gase, we're going to run that back? Crazy eyes? You think Bobby Portis is bad. You ain't seen Adam Gase. I mean, they could be kin. I mean, we go back a couple hundred years, maybe. But I'm saying, Adam Gase, that's the fix. You're going to go from one to a next? And poor Trevor Lawrence is just sitting there, just trying to figure it all out? Bereft of weapons? I don't know, man. I don't know. But Urban Meyer, this, this might be one of those ones. Bobby Petrino was bad, for sure. I mean, that whole thing was bad, right? Like, skating once Vic... It, yeah, Bobby Petrino, Duck Duck Go is your friend. If you want to remember that timeline, I'm sure the Falcons fans will remember that. Saban ducked out on the Dolphins. Belichick skated on the Jets. Like, there's been some real short, tumultuous tenures that have been like horrific and franchise altering. But this one right here, because of the litany of stuff where we we firmly believe, like by and large, through the group chats I'm a part of. We all firmly believe that man's trying to get himself fired. Man's like legitimately trying to get himself fired. He's running Oklahoma drills in 2021. He brought back Tim Tebow. He faked the quarterback battle with the overall number one overall pick. He went to his own bar, dubbed the chick, and was trying to get the finger in the booty hole behind a picture of his wife hanging up on the wall. He then began to berate his own staff, people that he entrusted and brought in. Then once his coaching staff started turning on him and the front office started turning on him and leaking information of all the, all the dysfunction, he starts to forget his own lineups. He starts to leak information to other coaches about how he feels like he's playing Alabama every week. Remember, he threw Trevor Lawrence under the bus when he got caught out there with the chick at the bar. He just put Trevor Lawrence's info out there. Then he's out here actually... Physically assaulting grown-ass men, which to me begs the question, he had to have done that in college, right? 
Like, just like he felt he could get the Oklahoma drill off in the NFL, he must have been kicking and punching players when he was in college. So which alumni, which former player, which former recruit, which former assistant coach, AD, whatever, who's going to pull that T out? Because if you got the gall to do that in the pros, that means you've done that before. Did he do it at Bowling Green? Florida? Ohio State? Because there's already talk about him going back to college. I think he tricked off the USC thing. I think he was really trying to get fired soon enough so that he could slide over to USC. But now Leakin Riley's over there, so obviously and they're, they're, they're ecstatic out there in Cali about that. So that's a dub. Where the hell could Urban Meyer even go? But here's the thing. If he actually is kicking players, kicking professionals, I'll take the leap and allege that he probably did that before with college players. So now if that's hovering, what institution would actually take that risk and bring in Herb? Now we know the shamaturism that is the NCAA, they truly ultimately don't give a fuck, but they like to keep the public perception like they do. Who in college would have the balls to do it? Baylor? I mean, they had all Bryles. And if you know, you know. COVID is back. <laughs> COVID is back, man. As much as people want to deny the obvious, COVID just keeps coming back. And, you know, I've been, I t- tweeted it out like last week when I was on the road as all these reports keep coming up protocols and players missing games and having to go on IR and this, that, and the third between the NFL and the NBA. Yo, bro, sports thought they had it. They thought they had weathered the storm. They brought these leagues back. They tried to give us a sense of normalcy and opening things back up. And they blew a 3-1 lead. They had it figured out where they contained everything, kept people away, and just gave us the entertainment that is sports. The NBA put people in the bubble kept everything confined. NFL existed where they had empty stadiums or 20% capacity. And everything was fine. But now, because they lost some bread, we got to open it back up. We got to turn the faucet back on and get this money running down again. We need it. Got to have it. So, no, we're going to go full bore. We're going to go full capacity. We're going to go vax or no vax, even if you're in the stands. It don't matter. Some states allow it. Some states don't. I can tell you from traveling around, a lot of these states don't. So you're looking at, I'm, I'm walking around looking at stadiums that are full, 80, 90, 100% full. And I know what part of the country I'm usually in. And I'm like, these people ain't vaxxed. And there's not a mask in sight. And they're just living life like a plague did not happen. Like over 800,000 people didn't die. Like everything is just back to normal. So now the NBA and the NFL are being ravaged by the Rona again about the, I'm going to call it the Omarion virus because, uh, excuse me, the Omarion variant because I think it's just funny. Uh, but yeah, we got the remix to the remix. The remix to the remix of the Rona is out here, and it's kicking ass, Jack. It is kicking ass out here in these streets. And the leagues don't know what to do because they've encouraged the mandate. 
They've encouraged vaccinations. You can still be, you can still test positive even if you're vaxxed. The issue is the severity of still testing positive. And, you know, I was going to bring the clip on here of Draymond talking. They caught Draymond the other day and they asked him about the booster and the new variant, the remix to the remix, the, the Amarion variant. And he went on this long tangent. But he was like, yo, man, I've done all I could do. They wanted me to get vaxxed. I went and got vaxxed. I even went and got the booster. I've done all I could do. I'm going to live my life. <laughs> I mean, you know, as much as you want to give him credit for saying, look, they wanted me to get vaxxed. I got vaxxed. I even went and got the booster. So I'm 100% to the best of my abilities. I've maxed out all the protection I could get against this thing. But to double down and say, I'm going to go live my life, I mean, come on, bro. Now, he's trying to clean it up later in the court by saying, you know, I still wear a mask. You know, I'm not going to, you know, if I'm around a crowd of people, I wear a mask. Habitual nut hitter. That's kind of not how that works. Because you don't know who is and isn't vaxxed. You take Ubers, you got to wear the mask. Because you know what? You don't know if that cab driver is vaxxed. It could be you and whoever in a store. Dolo, you and the cashier. Don't matter. Wear the mask because you don't know if that cashier is vaxxed. But to just single out, yeah, I wear it when I'm in the crowd. But then that tells me when you're not in the crowd, you're not wearing the mask, which means you're still putting yourself at risk. And I know it's annoying. Trust me. I'm outdoors working. And it's annoying because I have to wear the mask. Trust me. I'm walking by people who are working just like I am. They're not required to wear the mask. Yet I am. But I also know I will be wearing the mask even if it wasn't required because I'm not trying to catch this shit. Because I'm not trying to maybe die from this shit. I'm not trying to lose one of my five senses from this shit. What this uptick in numbers has done of positive cases and the way that it has affected sports and lineups and fantasy and betting and everything involved around sports, it has brought the anti-vax crowd a boost. For lack of a better word, it's giving them a boost because they're like, yo, dog, look, still getting positives, so why take the vax? I just don't understand that logic. Like, I, I, early on, pre, pre-vax or early part of the vax, I could understand people getting that off. But now, after 800,000, 800,000 deaths, I really don't know how you could still stand 10 toes down and be like, see, why do I need to get vaxxed? There's 800,000, over 800,000 reasons why. I mean, the Bulls lost games. The Bulls have lost games because they lost so many players. The Bucks are ravaged. And I don't know if y'all peeped this, but about a couple of weeks ago, I meant to mention this on the pod, but I didn't have the full story yet. And I, I didn't want to drop it in as a nugget and just kind of leave it out there. There's a report, or there was an article that, that was done. Same dude that had the uh, the net story of Kai and uh, KD smoking a lot of weed and all that type of stuff, that whole behind the, the veil of the Nets type thing of how they're paying for players' girlfriends to live in apartments and all that type of stuff, right? So he came out with another one. I might have mentioned it here. I'm not sure. So somebody will let me know. But there's rumors that Giannis had the Rona during the finals. Because if you remember his brother, Thanasis, he caught the Rona. 
He missed the game. And we know how close the brothers are, especially they're playing on the same team, same locker room. I'm sure, I don't know if they're in the same apartment, probably not that, but they're probably in the same building or relatively close. There was no contract tracing for Giannis. His ace, his right-hand man, his assumingly best friend, especially on that team, is his brother. Caught the Rona. Had to miss time because he had the Rona. You tell me Giannis ain't have it? That's a thing that happened. So it was a report around that that they're not saying he had it, but it just seemed shaky that there wasn't even at least a contract tracing type protocol for Giannis which obviously would have impacted the NBA Finals. Y'all point fraud might have gotten a ring if the league would have did the, the thing by the book and at least have Giannis sit out a game because of contract tracing. Did the league break protocols to get Giannis a chip? Did the basketball gods and the league conspire against the point fraud? Just wanted to put that out there. So anywho, the Bulls have lost games. The Bucks have been ravaged. The Heat have been ravaged. The Lakers have been ravaged. I mean, there's not a team that's, that's not been ravaged by protocols. Injuries are one thing, but the protocols, the contract tracing, the testing positives or getting the false positive, all of this stuff is affecting games. It's affecting the money. It's affecting the ratings. It's, it's affecting the walk-up. And these leagues now are trying to figure out what can they do. Can they double down? Can they triple down? Can they mandate the booster now? Can they go back to the, to the negotiating table with the respective players associations of these leagues and extend the mandates or strengthen the mandates? And the players associations are not having it, are not having it. They don't feel they need to acquiesce. The players are getting vaccinated by and large. There's still some holdouts. Players are now getting the booster by and large, there's still some holdouts. What else you want them to do? And it's not even like I've talked about how there's been every holiday is a spreader event. Every holiday, Thanksgiving, we saw an uptick there. Halloween, we saw an uptick there. What you think is going to happen on Kwanzaa Eve? What you think is going to happen on New Year's Eve? These upticks are going to happen because people are going to be around friends, family, whoever, and they're going to want to relax and people are tired of wearing these masks. The issue is, is that the reason why we're wearing these masks is because there's a bunch of idiots that don't want to get the vax. If the public by and large was vaxxed, you would see some of these regulations relaxed. You would see some of these mask mandates relaxed if the majority of the public was vaxxed. I think they said it's still about 50-50 or 55-45, something like that. So you're still a crapshoot. One out of every two people ain't, ain't vaxxed, bruh. <laughs> so you really can't play these games. And, yeah, it's, 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 it's a lot. It really is a lot. And you got John Mara out here who finally is, is saying something that's not anti-player. When you have John Mara who is anti-player, anti-taunting when he's coming out here and basically saying, yo, when it comes to this vax and when it comes to this Rona, quote, it seems like it's never going away. <laughs> that's, that's John Mara.
it seems like it's never going away. Right. As long as we got 55-45 out here vaxxed to unvaxxed, yeah, John, these remixes going to keep developing and keep popping up and keep spreading. As long as we keep using holiday events as super spreader events, it's never going to go away. You're right. You're right. You're wrong about everything else. You're wrong about hiring Joe Judge. You're wrong about Daniel Jones and Gettleman and trading Odell and extending Eli's career because he was a fraud. You're, you're, you're wrong about all of those, but you're right about this. You're, you're right about this. Hey, I tried to tell you about Kemba, right? <laughs> Big tape, y'all good? <laughs> Yo, man, I keep on here trying to tell you them knees is done, bro. Them knees is done. Uh, he is out the rotation. The meniscus tear and taskmaster Tom Thibodeau has banished man's, and he's basically using him as a scapegoat for the defense. And right before that banishing of Kemba to the bench, I went down and took all the defensive stats that, that were pertinent, and the main one was this. The meniscus tear and taskmaster, who's been lauded for his defensive prowess and system and scheme for years, if not decades, the man that was the orchestrator of the defense that led the Celtics to reclaim their glory, to get the fraud Pierce his only ring. He then went to Chicago where he got the Bulls back to relevancy, got Derrick Rose an MVP or at least helped assist him to getting an MVP by just giving him the ball and getting the hell out the way because he has no offensive system, which we'll get there. He also in that Chicago tenure ruined the cartilages of Jimmy Butler, Joakim Noah, Luau Deng, and countless others. He then went to Minnesota and realized quickly that Cat and A. Wiggins ain't it and got the hell up out of Minnesota. Thankfully, he didn't ruin any cartilage during that short tenure. But now he's in New York and he's running RJ and Julius through the ringer. And right before he benched Kemba, right before he used Kemba, to be the scapegoat for the team's poorest defensive performance, and I'm about to highlight here, the Knicks were third worst in defensive rating. Third worst. So the man who's got all the defensive schematics in the world makes players play their hardest, try their hardest. They will outwork you, out-effort you, night in, night out, and they will steal wins because he catch teams that are just going through the motions. Third worst in the league. All right. Use Kemba as a scapegoat. Look, Kemba's never been a defensive player. I don't think Kemba would tell you he's a defensive player. Anyone who watches basketball for an innate amount of time will tell you Kemba's not that great on defense. It's not that he's trash. He's just not that good. I would say he's like slightly below average on defense. He's undersized. So that hurts him. Well, now that Kemba's been banished, how high of an uptick do you think the Knicks' defensive rating is? So they were third worst, right? Third worst in the whole league. There's 30 teams. They're now eighth worst. <laughs> Who is it now? Is it Fournier? You going to bench him too? You going to bench Fournier too? I mean, you went from third worst to eighth worst. By getting rid of one player out the rotation. Maybe you get rid of Fournier. Maybe you'll be 12th worst in defensive rating. So, what is it? What is it? I mean, it's starting to look. It's starting to look like that. 
But I mean, who's been here trying to tell you that? Who's been here trying to tell you like, yo, when it comes to offense? Come on, them and that whole defensive scheme? Come on, them Cause I know. That was the last bastions of my fanhood. I know that scheme. I know that system. I know that. Come on, them I tried to tell y'all. Nick's tape, I tried to tell y'all. Be careful. Don't fall for it. Y'all didn't care. Y'all had the Mecca pep rallies. Come on, them Y'all got the four seed. Come on, them and then you let Trey Young decimate you in your own building. Come on, them then you went and gave a max bag to Julius. Come on, them and you're still hoping RJ's going to be the still of that draft. Come on, them While waiting on Mitch Rob. Come on, them While praying on Obi. Come on, them While loving quickly. Come on, them Third worst to eighth worst. Third worst to eighth worst. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always it's 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 always everybody but Tibbs. It's never Tibbs. It's never his offensive scheme doesn't really exist. It's never that. It's never that. But I know, I know. It's never the meniscus tearing taskmaster's fault. It's never his fault. It's never. In Chicago, the players stopped listening. That sounds like the coach's fault to me, but it wasn't phrased that way. The spin by the Blue Check Boys was the players stopped listening. When he went to Minnesota, it was, oh, well, Cat's, Cat underperformed. Jimmy blew the whole thing up with the chemistry thing and chastising the young stars and A. Wiggins and Cat. But, I mean, the meniscus tearing taskmaster was the one that gave Wiggins that bag and helped continue Cat to not learning how to play defense. He didn't change Cat. That was the thought when he brought in the meniscus tearing taskmaster was that, oh, okay, he's going to get Wiggins and Cat to D up. Now, if you look, it took Wiggins to go to the bay and run with the habitual nut hitter to learn how to play defense. And Cat's still there and Cat is still Cat. And I still ask the question, can you name 30 basketball players better than Cat? Who will be the scapegoat now if this Knicks thing don't work? Can we now analyze and really deduce that it's Tibbs, that it's the meniscus tearing taskmaster? Can we now get to that point? Will we get the New York blue check boys and the fan base that claim they're some of the smartest in the league because it's New York? Will they be able to have the self-awareness to be like, oh, nah, this dude ain't really, he ain't really that. He's a... Come on, them there. Sam was right. Like, I thought he was just on his chief Nick Hater number one shit bit. I mean, Thibodeau really is. Come on, them there. Are we going to get there? Let me know, Nick's tape. Are we going to get there? I ain't hearing nothing about the Mecca pep rallies now. What are y'all, three games on the 500? Y'all going to make the playoffs? And as much as I talked about every team's got injuries, I mean, what injuries the Knicks got, by and large? That's the one thing they might hold their hat on is that Rona hasn't really run through them. I mean, RJ had to sit out, but that was recent. But, I mean, you tell me they really missing Quentin Grimes? Ain't he in the protocol? Nick's missing him, right? Kevin Knox? Nick's missing him? He's important to the rotation? And these are all guys that recently fell down. So what was happening before that? 
when they went from being the third worst in defensive rating to the eighth worst, what was happening then? That marginal improvement. They're running the same system, same sets. They're losing games to teams that have worse COVID infections than them and get us only a marginal improvement, if that. So I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I tried to warn y'all. I tried to tell y'all it was a cute story. Y'all overachieved. But, I mean, here we go again. I mean, the one thing for me is that it took year two. Usually with Thibodeau, it's year three. Year three is when you start to see dudes' knees start to act up a little bit, strains, meniscus tears, things of that nature. This is year two. Year two and it's happening. And you saw the press conference. I tweeted it out because I, I wanted to make sure y'all knew back then. This was in the summer when he announced Kemba. And he was asked in the, in the press conference, are you going to play back-to-backs? And Kemba said, you got to ask them. And he started smiling because we all know the answer to that. And Thibodeau confirmed, like, he's playing. This is a man with a horrific knee history who's on the downside of the prime of his career. You could even say he's out of his prime. And he's going to run whatever's left of this man's knees into the ground. And that's essentially what he did over 18 games. It took 18 games to run Kemba Walker's knees out. And I said it then. I said, yo, when those knees go out, remember they all laughed. Remember, they all laughed. And then it came out not that long ago, about two weeks ago. Hey, uh, yeah, essentially Kemba's washed. There's nothing left. So we're going to take him out the rotation. They all laughed. So off the heels of having Adam Schefter's, uh, the revealing of the fact that Adam Schefter sends articles to his sources to proofread for him and approve, we get something that's not the same, but it seems the same. So Woj, the bluest of all blue check boys, put out a piece done by the now former Trailblazers GM, what is it, Olshee, Olshay, whatever. And essentially, it was basically airing out Dame. Like, the entire piece was basically like, yo, dogs, it ain't on me, it's on the franchise player who is Dame Dollars. Woj basically gave a platform for this former GM to air out his former team's best player. Like, I don't recall ever seeing anything like that. Like, it was bad. Like, it was like a hit piece on Dame Lillard, and Woj gave him the floor to basically air him out. So as I have talked about here on this pod before, that's where these guys' sources are. When these guys get all this information and it's so far in front of beat writers and bloggers and whatever, it's because they're talking directly to these people and they're feeding them specific information that's to be released. To us, it's like, oh, man, this guy's plugged in. Like, no, he just needs one source. And if my source is the GM, what other source do I need? If my source is the guy that's running shit, why do I need 10 other sources in the Trailblazers organization? So now we can go back and look that anytime there was any Trailblazers news, who was Woj's source? Oshie. 
So on draft night, when Woj is dropping the, the draft pick seemingly minutes ahead of the broadcast, which I told you is a fallacy because they just time delay it so it looks, like, it looks that way. But let's take that part out of it. We all now know when he's getting the Trailblazers pick off the rip, we know who, he t- who he's texting or who texts him the pick. Because if you're going to give your platform that has millions of followers and gets millions of clicks on the ESPN, the Full Letter Network website, if you're ceding that to him and giving him a lane to air out Dame and call out all of his faults, which are not new, we know Dame don't play D. Is that a revelation? Was there anyone out here who thought Dame played defense? Is there anyone that thinks that? I mean, let's let us pull up Dame's uh, defensive rating. We'll even go over his career, because I think over his career it's been Basura. Let's see. Defensive rating. Well, we could do defensive win shares. His defensive win shares are not good either. Like, Dame's just not... He's just not a defensive player. Like this, that, that is, that's not his job. His job is to be a bucket. And I think we were all aware of that. So to, to go on a blue check boys platform and to air out Dame and question a, his leadership question, his ability to get better. When I mean, this man was pulling up from the logo, when it was just him and Steph, it was literally him and Steph who could pull from the logo. Now you got to get Trey Youngs and now other guys occasionally Bron get hit from the logo every now and then. Like now it's extended to that. But there was a point in time where it was literally just Steph and Dame who had logo range. And Dame was doing that in college. We didn't see Steph pulling up from the logo at Davidson. Dame was doing that in college. And I think there was even a clip of him doing it in high school. So he's been there. He's been logo Lillard. He's been out there. So he's born to be a bucket. He's born to be an elite score first point guard. I wouldn't even call point guard, score first guard. He's just a scoring guard. He's not a shooting guard. He's a scoring guard because he can still penetrate, get to the cup, and he could pull from the logo. So the range is infinite, right? So bringing up the fact that Dame doesn't play defense or hasn't shown any real improvement or the commitment to work on that part of his game is asinine because when has he ever been that but i think the main thing i want to focus on is look at what the blue check boys are doing you have adam schefter who is sending articles to front office people saying hey mr editor he's doing it in jest but in actuality that's what was happening hey remember that source of that story you gave me i wrote a story here's the story let me know if I got all the sources true, if I got all the info true, or if this is the slant you really want. That's unethical in journalism. As someone that has journalism degrees, I can tell you that's 101. That's unethical. So now we have another insider, but was also a journalist to a certain degree, who's out here allowing a, probably a former source of his to air out Dame Lillard because no one wants to talk to him anymore because he's done. He's out the league now. Who knows if he's going to get another gig? But for the bluest of all blue check boys to give this man a platform to air out Dame serves what purpose? What information did we get? 
he gave his platform to his mans. This is what insider shit, this is what journalism shit looks like in 2021 going into 2022. And when you look at your man's woes, you got to remember, he's been anti-Bron because he don't have the plug for Bron. That's Shams. Shams got the plug for Bron. Shams in that camp. So you remember from back in the days, he used to tear down Bron right after he bounced to go to Miami. There was some woke stuff there that seemed slanted because his plug was most likely, uh, who, who's on it? Gilbert, Gilbert out there, or someone close to Gilbert. I would say more David Griffin, because if you watch the narrative of how time after time, Woj protects David Griffin, even after Griffin makes mistake after mistake and keeps falling in a situation where he looks shaky in a light, Woj is always right there to give the spin the opposite way. Remember, when the Pels made the deal, which was a worse deal than the one that Del Demps initially turned down Magic and Palenka, he praised David Griffin for winning the deal. He said it was a better deal, even though from a player standpoint, it was not. They literally got less players and less cap relief in the deal that Griffin took on than the one that Del Demps turned down. But Woj praised it and said the Pelicans won that trade. They gave Anthony Davis to LeBron and took back Lonzo, Young Reaper, and some parts. And they praised the deal. And even if you want to throw Zion in there, because now that pick turned into Zion. Okay. You still think that's a win? Lonzo's gone. Young Reaper's on an island by himself. And Zion is eating himself out of NOLA. But there's no criticism. Not from Woj, not from the Blues to Blue Check Boys. I mean, it's there. You can find the articles where he's praising, praising the Pels for not trading Anthony Davis to the Lakers prior when it was Del Demps. Praising them, the Pels, for standing up to the Lakers saying, no, we're not just going to hand you our best player. And then he doubles down and flips and say, hey, but now the Pels won the trade, even though it's a lesser trade when I applauded them for doubling down and saying no to the Lakers. He, for some reason, wink, wink, protects David Griffin. Which I, I think ties back to him being in Cleveland and he couldn't get into LeBron's inner circle, so he had to get into the David Griffin inner circle. So he got his tea that way. And speaking of Griffin and the Pels and the whole thing, Alvin Gentry's back. Alvin Gentry is now the head coach of the Sacramento Kings. They finally got Luke Walton about the paint. I don't know why it took him so long, but they finally did that. But now, now Gentry's talking. And now Gentry's talking about when he was in NOLA. And he's talking about David Griffin, who was thought to be his man's, when he came in there and was hired in the first place. There was an article in regards to the whole Gentry, Griffin, Kings, Pels nonsense. And in the article, I'm going to just read it straight up because I think you'll, you'll, you'll get where I'm going here. So when Gentry was coaching the Pelicans, David Griffin reportedly told people around the NBA that he'd given Gentry, quote, all the answer to the test and he still fails, end quote. All the answer to the test. 
So basically, when Alvin Gentry pulled up and he had Lonzo, Young Reaper, Josh Hart, J.J. Reddick, Jackson Hayes. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Wasn't was Solomon Hill still there before he got traded to Solomon Hill? Those are the answers to what test? What test is that? Those are the answers to the test. What was the question? How to be a lottery team? Because what, what's I don't understand how David Griffin could sit there and tell an NBA mind like Alvin Gentry. You can have your faults with him, but by and large, Alvin Gentry is respected as an NBA mind. You're telling me the answer to the test, the answer to the question to the test of making the playoffs in the Western Conference is Young Reaper, Lonzo, Josh Hart, and a bunch of dudes. How, Sway? How? Now, if you don't know, because there's more here in the story. Uh, those two saw each other recently. Like Kings, Pels played, and I guess Griffin and Gentry were in the same vicinity. And there was a little bit of an altercation. Now, this isn't being reported a lot. I read it in this story, and again, that was not the main reason why I read the story. But it was kind of a footnote just kind of put out there in the story. So here we go. Now, now you had the backstory. So Gentry obviously was fired. Griffin's still there in NOLA. Now Griffin is the coach in Sacramento. Kings play the Pels, and away we go. When Griffin approached Gentry following this most recent game, Gentry reportedly shouted, you must not have given Stan the answer to the test either. That led to the two being physically separated. <laughs> so imagine, <clears throat> yeah, Alvin Gentry, you got banished. You got bounced about Enola. You were told you ain't have the answer, Sway. You go to Sacramento. They bring in Stan Van. Stan Van comes in there, and Stan Van only lasts a year before he's bounced up out of there because he didn't have the answers either. So then he sees your man's Griffin after the game and runs up on him and presses him and says, yo, you must not have given Stan the answer to the test either. David Griffin must have been incensed. <laughs> David Griffin must have been in fucking sensed. Because, yeah, dudes just be talking. Because David Griffin has this cachet of that one chip that's basically because Braun and Kai went nuts against the 73-9 and nine and Lied Warriors. He's got clout for life off the chip of Braun's back. He is not a good GM. He does not know what he's doing. He should not have a job. He should, he should not have been entrusted with the curating of a roster around Zion, even though Zion is clearly eating his way out of NOLA. And you see they're shutting him down again, right? You peep that, they're shutting Zion down again. Yo, dog, I'm, I'm going to ask Nick's tape again. Y'all sure y'all want that? You sure you want that Nick's tape? Because do you know what you do? You even know what you're getting. You want to bring him around here? Juniors, chopped cheese. That man's gonna be living at Juniors. You see him going crazy on that jumbo, going crazy on them poor boys and that jambalaya. What you think he gonna do to them chopped cheeses? You know what it is. Appreciate y'all for listening. Uh, season two of Trash Narratives around the corner. Uh, got some stats on that. 
real happy about that over 20k views on the youtube channel so the link is in the description uh subscribe share all that good stuff let's get those subscribers up because season two i'm really trying to put my foot in that ass of the season two of trash narratives from, from a visual standpoint so be ready for that that's why it's taking a little bit longer because i really want to try something different and have it look more of what i want it to look like so we're trying to get that figured out and flushed out so be on the lookout for that as always I uh, appreciate all of you for listening. The numbers for this year have been really steady and really steadily growing. So always appreciative of that. Kwanzaa Eve games are on the way. So you know what we do after all of those. So be on the lookout. I may pop in between now and then, but most likely Kwanzaa Eve, holla at your boy. So for the Sam D Podcast, I'm Sam Dusmay Jr. I'm out. <laughs>